0: back for our depending on how you want to count this either our fifth of the top 100 or our 10th of the top 100 if you're counting our individual player rankings which i encourage you to listen to and in the like waning hours we've decided on a new format for 81 through 100 where we will introduce the players talk a little bit about all of their games as opposed to just making our kind of pitches for who we've got so aaron my list has
1: been more shaky who do we have at point guard? It's Kevin Johnson. as a Suns point guard. Played for Phoenix for 12 seasons, Cleveland for one season right at the beginning, but averaged 18 points, nine and a half assists, which is incredibly high. There's a good four-season stretch where he's 10 assists above. He's the second-best player on a Suns team that goes to the finals, but also before that, the best player on some really good Suns teams even before Barkley.
0: Yeah, to add some just general time context, If we put Barkley in there, he's one of the best early 90s point guards, kind of even mid-90s. He has a little bit of a Derrick Rose vibe, which I realize that's starting to become a dated reference, but just a lightning quick point guard, really strong crossover. High assist guy. He was a guy that could get you forty one night, and then you know, like fifteen assists the next. It was a it was a nice blend where he wasn't entirely a shoot first point guard, and he also was not
1: entirely a pass first point guard. From nineteen eighty nine to ninety four, he's twenty points and ten assists on fifty percent shooting. The numbers tell you this is really one of the best players of all time. I feel like in terms of the best point guards, every kind of gets lost. Another very strange thing is. He's a three-time All-Star and a five-time All-NBA player, which is, sometimes you see like the one, like a, a one unit gap on that, but have two more All-NBA teams in All-Star appearances is strange. I think it's because he just, he starts some seasons slow with injuries, doesn't make the All-Star team, and then heats up and makes the All-NBA team, which is pretty impressive still. All right. Who do we have at Shooting Guard? We have Sidney Moncrief. Love five-time City. All-Star. We love City Moncree. Five-time All-Star, five-time all NBA player, five-time all defense, and they won the first two Defensive Player of the Year awards. He's part of the, the 80s Bucks. And the 80s Bucks are really good. And they never quite get over the hump of the Celtics and the Sixers. But they're up there winning 50, even 60 games, and Moncrief's is such a huge part of that. It's him and Marcus Johnson, and then it's him and Paul Pressey and Barry Cummings are kind of two variations of this Bucks team. But the statistical dominance is the, the statistical dominance isn't necessarily there for Moncrief, but the winning is. He's, he is very clearly impactful on winning. And it is fairly short, but from age 24 to 28, he's 21 points, six boards, and five assists on 50% shooting. And the defense, obviously, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has that five-year stretch where they're 40, 50-win
0: teams and 160-win team. Uh, they make the conference finals three times. Each time he loses the eventual NBA champion in the conference finals, so either 76ers or the Celtics in that kind of early 80s run. If you watched winning time, there was some debate between should the Lakers take him or Magic Johnson with kind of the the safer pick being Sidney Moncrief. I don't know if they still get that ring in 80 with Moncrief as opposed to Magic, but there was... There were moments where it looked like he was going to be that great. He does have a really sharp decline. He basically has five great seasons and then uh, it is done. But the fact that he's battling with the 76ers and the Celtics, as arguably arguably the Marcus johnson is also up there is it marcus or marquise we have to figure this out by the end of
1: this series you I say what it's you marcus. say i say what i say i really think it's marcus i just think it's a weird spelling of marcus i need to look up like some i tend to look up with these with players i don't have how to pronounce their names like a speech they gave or something and someone's like and now marcus johnson and i'm like that's how you say that
0: but you know he announces the bucks games, so we should know this but he's in this range so we'll, we'll get to talk to him about it talk about him at some point so we're gonna figure
1: out is it marquis or marcus yeah who do we have for small forward it's jason tatum and i feel vindicated about this uh i feel good about this placement given that he's just been arguably the best player in the world the 2023 season averaging 30 points eight boards four assists the best efficiency of his career it's
0: it's wild at how young he is because it doesn't feel like we should be ranking players this young this high but at this point he has been the best player on two Eastern Conference Finals teams and one Finals team. And, yes, we can look at the fact that he had kind of a down Finals. Uh, And we can look at some of the games within some of those runs, Uh, like the bubble Eastern Conference Finals, good stats, bad efficiency. I mean, we're talking 26.5, 10 rebounds, 6.3 assists. like, good stats, 41% from the field, not great. But, you know, we are... We're looking at a three-time All-Star, All-NBA first-team team guy, and has more playoff success than a lot of guys' full careers. We can already look at his playoff track record versus Bernard Kings, who is the next guy on the small forward rankings, and you would take what Tatum has already done in the playoffs over what King did in his entire career.
1: Absolutely. You, you really would. Even someone like Carmelo Anthony, who we've already ranked in... Jason Tatum is 24 years old right now, Yeah. Right now he's 24. This is this is someone who's just going to fly up this ranking. Yeah. For the power forwards, we have Amari Stoudemire, the six-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA player, a rookie of the year. He is the Suns power forward during the Steve Nash years, and also goes to the Knicks for a few good years with Carmelo. He is Nash's big man down low. He is the pick-and-roll partner, and his knees explode, and then the Suns are just drive him into the ground. Now, I am a little
0: bit surprised, and I'd have to go back and kind of listen to our arguments as to what exactly he did to get over Blake Griffin, Um, because just just looking back at it, uh, Blake is our power forward up behind him, but Stoudemire does have kind kind of the career I would have liked to have seen from Blake. He gets to play center and kind of be a focal point offensively in a way that Blake, we wanted to see him be the ball handler. I think... I think there was a higher peak for Blake, but I think Amari truly maximized being one of the best pick-and-roll finishers uh, in league history. You know, his brand of center is kind of what we see now, except for his defensive liabilities, but it's a smaller, it's a more agile little center who can run the floor and, and get inside. And it's he's got a devastating speed and
1: athleticism that made him really hard to guard. His career stats are 19 points, eight boards, and an assist on 53% shooting, which is really up there. His efficiency is just nuts because he is working with Nash so well. He's, he gets up there into the 23, 25, 26 points per game on 55% shooting, which is so hard to do. And the Suns are a great team. The, so you could argue those Suns are the best team in the entire league. They don't win the title, but the numbers could show that, and you know, with a few breaks, it doesn't they don't end up winning that championship. But him and Nash, plus the role players, gets you. One of the best players in the world. Or one of, sorry, one of the best teams in the world. Yeah. All right, at the centers, Nate Thurmond. Nate the Great, chairman of the boards, the seven-time All-Star, five-time All-Defensive player. Averages, and this is my favorite part. This is just one of the great joys in life. Exactly 15 points per game and exactly 15 rebounds per game. It's just, it's beautiful. For the Warriors in the 60s and the 70s, Yeah, Nate the Great. The greatest defensive centers ever. And Nate takes
0: over after Wilt Chamberlain leaves. They actually play together for a little bit in kind of a weird Nate is the power forward, but just this jumbo, jumbo jumbo-sized lineup. And it's really amazing to see how the team responds as soon as Wilt is gone and Thurman moves to the center and they have this defensive anchor and someone who doesn't really care about scoring. Now, one of the knocks on Thurman will be that he really is not a good scorer we are talking below league average true shooting below league average effective field goal percentage below league average field goal percentage which as a center
1: in an era before the three-point shot it is just very rare he has 15.8 offensive win shares which is very very low given his his, the points he's scoring, but something impressive with Thurman it was I what I like about him is he is shooting the basketball. He's getting up there to 20 points per game, and I think there's still value in that even if, even if he's not super efficient. If I remember correctly. He's he is just one of I think it's him it's Will, It's Bob Pettit and Jerry Lucas to have a 20 and 20 season even you know, even like you? Jerry Lucas. Not, did, not yet. did Lucas make it on here yet or is he still falling? He's still he's still falling. I think he has. So it's Stoudemire Griffin, then Lucas. I'm comfortable in Lucas being a top 100 player, but it goes back to, and why we're probably going to rank Nate Thurman pretty soon, that era called for defense, and defense was more effective. And even, yep. you're like, okay, Jerry Lucas is this wizard on offense, and he's such a good rebounder, like, okay, you just won 25 games. It's not, as, it's not as great. Same thing for Oscar Robertson, who's arguably, Oscar is someone who has never been matched in terms of his pure production, his efficiency, and his playmaking. Yet, the Royals aren't that great. You can't. You couldn't dominate offensively like you can today. That being said, how do you feel about Nate Thurman at number eighty one? So Thurman has a really interesting case because
0: he is it plays at the end of the sixties, um, into the seventies, and the league is rapidly growing. He's usually a top four or five center in the league that grows from eight to seventeen teams during his time. Nine to seventeen, sorry. Um he never makes an all NBA team.
1: Yes. But he does. But,
0: yeah, go on. But that's one of the toughest eras of centers. There is Kareem, Dave Cowens, Wes Unseld, uh, Bob McAdoo, the Bill Walt. Like he, he goes up against basically every other center wins an MVP. And Nate Thurman, despite not making the All-NBA, does get second in MVP in 67. I also really love the fact that in the 67 finals, he matches up against Wilt Chamberlain, who had left his team. Um, And his defense, you do see it. Wilt is 17 points per game, 17.7, 56% field goal shooting, 28 rebounds, which is a kind of common Wilt stat line, the scoring's down. Um, But Thurman almost matches him. It's 14 points per game. It's 26 rebounds. Much, much worse field goal percentage, uh, 34%. But his job is to keep Wilt in check, and he does it. Will's not really trying to defend him.
1: What you'll notice about Will, he will never shoot poorly from the field in a series. It's never going to happen. But when the great defense comes, in terms of Bill, in terms of Nate Thurmond, he stops shooting the ball. Mm-hmm. You'll never see him go out there like three for twenty-three or just a miserable game. And he has some some strange games in the Lakers. He's like one of eight or something. But when the good defense comes, he tends just to kind of stop shooting the ball. So I think that is you see that in Thurmond. I have two. I have two cases. Examples I can point out and say Thurmond was great there. One is part of what you mentioned already: the 67 playoffs the Warriors make the finals. Now, Rick Berry, that team win is Rick Berry win, but the defense and the rebounding from Thurmond is so impressive. In 15 playoff games, he's 46 minutes a game, 16 points, 23 boards, three assists on 43% shooting. But also the 72 Western Conference semifinals. Now the Warriors do get kind of waxed by the Bucks. But you think this is going to be Kareem, but Kareem really plays poorly in terms of what Kareem is capable of. Kareem is just 23 points per game, 19 boards, 5 assists on just 40% shooting, which is very low for what Kareem was doing at the time. And really, Nate Thurman outplays him going t- for 25 points per game, 18 boards, and five assists, which is pretty impressive for what Thurman is capable of, on 43% shooting. The, and I mean, the Bucks win that series because they have Bobby Dandridge and Lucius Sal and Oscar Robertson. Those guys play their minds off, but it's just Nate Thurman on that team. There's really no one else. Rookberry's Barry's long gone, and and they he goes head-to-head with Kareem. I think we have these two examples, of him like matching Will and matching Kareem. This feels like 81. I would like to go a bit spicier. Sidney Moncrief. I know you we are going at this. Jason Tatum. No, not yet. <laughs> just not yet. Can we just, just please, just wait a little bit?
0: <laughs> well, what is what is the difference between Jason Tatum and Joel Embiid?
1: Yeah, right. I'm in. I mean, <laughs> I mean, my idea was like, okay, let's just wait, let get like the great greats out of the way, and then we can like let's talk about Tatum. But but, but please go on.
0: Well, I there's a thing that you see with a lot of great greats where they have a finals run just just a hair too early. Like you see it with Shaq. uh, You see it with Hakeem. I mean, Magic's is kind of hidden. Uh, Same with Kobe's because they played next to other greats. But Larry Bird gets his run a little bit earlier. Um, I think we're seeing that from Tatum. The Tatum five years of playoffs is truly just astounding what he's been able to do. First five seasons, this man is already at 74 total playoff games.
1: That's true.
0: Nate Thurman, in his career, plays in 81 playoff games. Now, there are more rounds in the playoffs, so, you know, you, you get to...
1: Yeah, but by age 24, Thurman had Thurman made the playoffs one time. It was yeah. 24 right now. And that, that has to do with, the, you know, college eligibility and blah, blah, blah. But
0: Well, and it's not like Tatum is just riding coattails. You know, he enters the league as a 19-year-old rookie. Um, You know, he has an average game seven against the the Cavs Uh, you know he's game seven against LeBron it's 24 points seven boards on basically 53% shooting at 19 that's not an astounding game not not for the you know top 40 players top 50 players but for a 19 year old rookie I think we have to give that game a lot of respect I think we have to give his Eastern Conference Finals against the Celtics or against uh, the Heat a lot of respect and then no, he didn't have the greatest finals, but he was the leading force to drive his team to the finals. And the Bucks are missing Middleton. I think they win with Middleton, but every year, every team has an injury. That's not fair to knock Tatum. I, I think his five years from age 19 to, to now are greater than anyone else's five-year peak
1: in this range. And what's crazy is that it's five years, and he's still age 19. He's still 14 years old, and he's only getting younger. He's only going to get younger and better. All of a sudden, you're going to have, you know, three-year-old Tatum. And how good is that going to be? I give you, before we we decide on this, another preposterous Wilt versus Thurman matchup. Sure. 73 Western Conference Finals, Warriors versus Lakers. The Warriors do lose in five. But in this series, Wilt plays 45 minutes a game. How many shots do you think Wilt takes the entire series? Oh, five games? Five games. So,
0: what i'm guessing his average field goal attempts that year somewhere between 20 and 30 so five games should be between 100 and 150 so i mean we'll split the difference and say that he should have shot around
1: 125 is it more like 75 okay so let's reel it in a little bit this is this is wilt's last year he's shooting the ball seven times a game in this in this in this year which is which is again just i don't i know he could have shot the ball more i don't know why he's not he still leads the league in rebounding. It's super impressive. He shoots the ball 18 times all uh all playoff series. He averages seven points, 23 boards, four assists, and obviously super impactful, being that that center and three Lakers average 20 per 20 a game. He's 11 of 18 in that uh is eighth in field goal attempts on the Lakers. But Pat Riley took more shots than him. Pat Riley shot the ball more than the Pat Riley from from uh, Miami Heat in uh, maybe heat and laker fame i, I gotta slip it make sure make sure i mention the lakers he's not just from heat fame it's gonna kill me yeah but thurman on the other end is 15 uh, 16 points per game 17 boards four assists and he shoots 83 times all right let's do it let's put thurman pinned in there and do thurman then then tatum because i'm interested
0: yeah i i think that's fair um and really i, I kind of looked i don't think we would take either of the next two players over the guys so let's Let's make that lock that in and um uh, technically this is eighty one and eighty
1: two. With that, the next nomination for the small forwards is, is Bernard King. Nate, do you wanna give your Bernard King spiel? Your Bernard King guy. I'm a Bernard King guy. in,
0: in large part because of his cool factor. Um and, and I do just wanna say that King King had some major problems. Um health drugs, alcohol, um, sexual assault uh yeah so before i praise how cool he is i think we need to put that out there um but king was a go-to dedicated score um there's a quote with a snag from the 1992 nba almanac that says king generally tries to out tries to better his man by outscoring him not by stopping him and he becomes one of the best offensive weapons and he is incredibly meticulous i love guys That like have this head game and he's like listen there are five ways to counter the defense if they give you the shot they give you the right they give you the left um they like press into you and i forget what the fifth one was um you need five different moves to counter those five types of defenses there are 21 spots on the floor in which you can shoot from you know you've got straight ahead you've got the corners and you got the wings um at at these different spots he he like mapped all of this out and so He designs these five moves to take him from anywhere to these five spots. And there is a brief, brief moment in NBA history. And that's probably why we don't have him that high. That it's just a brief moment where Bernard King is the greatest way to get two points. You know, it kind of goes from the skyhook to King for about a season and a half. You know, he tears his ACL and misses 11 games or the final 11 games of the season in the playoffs. But from that 85 playoff run to most of the 86
1: season, maybe I've got that mixed up, 84, in the, in the mid-80s. 85, he has a scoring title, then he blows his knee out, and then misses essentially the entire 87 season as well. He's and I He is made out of vibranium, as he is basically 26, 30 night to 30 a night and then he destroys his knee and then he comes back and he, by age 34 he's able to get back up to 28 points again and then he destroys his knee again and he still manages to come back and he's you know 10th of the player that he was but pretty impressive yeah
0: i think you mean glass vibranium is incredibly strong that's what captain
1: mega well sorry does. he's made of vibranium because he's able to explode and then come back and and, mm. and then be really good again i think like bill walton's made out of glass because he gets hurt and then he's a, he's not the same player but you know King his knees exploded in the 80s and in the 80s if your knees explode you were done they, there's no modern medicine to save you and he's like actually I can still average 25 points a game He's super
0: impressive I think this is a really interesting range for guys because like we have some guys like Nate Thurman who are perennial you know eight to 12 best, eighth to 12th best players in the league um and then we have some guys like King or like Moncrief, who jump up there and say, I could be a top five guy. I could be the number one guy on a title contender. A, a lot of the guys that like are maybe a little bit closer to Kawhi Leonard, um, except for they'd never won. I mean, Bill Walton won. But guys who have this like brief, but incredibly bright, dazzling shooting star moment, and is trying to balance which, which is more valuable to you here. Would you rather have that one year, that one shot, where you hope everything goes right, or five years or 10 years of a much duller star but consistency
1: on top of that 85 season that he leads league in scoring you're right in the in the fact that he jumps up to that elite level because he is second mvp voting it's a really close mvp vote as well it's not crazy close i i fucking lied i lied so much but he does get a decent amount of votes for a second place finish. He gets 11 first place votes and 49% of the MVP share, which is pretty high for a second place finish. and Then he and then his knees go out. In that moment, then the Knicks even pushed the Celtics to 7 in the playoffs that year. Is it that year or the year before that? The year before that. So you have a great playoff run and then the in the almost MVP season, you're like Bernard King's one of the best players in the world. it's wheezy he's up there. And I think we've argued before that that is more valuable. And why we haven't talked about reggie miller yet we'll talk about him mm-hmm. today hopefully but you would you would take that that like flash in the pan three seasons or like this guy is one of the best players on earth then someone who was who was worse than them at the time i think someone had asked me a question on tiktok a long time ago they said who's better Mac or vince carter and i'm like Mac was better and they play they play at the same time just because Carter kind of exists in a level below him, out both kind of precedes him and outlasts him, people kind of say like, oh, well, Carter was better because he was, he was. They just, they have more Carter evidence, but it's like, no, McGrady was the better player when it mattered. He has mm-hmm. the peak. Um, I don't. I'm not, I'm not interested. Quite interested in Bernard King, quite yet. I, I. don't think. I don't know. Maybe I am. But we still have to talk about our, our an MVP, our centers nomination. Well, Go bef- ahead.
0: Before we move off of him, that 84 run. Celtics are looking to close out in six, uh, and this is in the garden uh, because the Celtics were the one seed, the Knicks are the five seed, and Bernard King goes for 44 points on 64% shooting from the floor. The vaulted, beloved Celtics defense has this just impeccable history of getting torched by elite scorers, and it is part by design. They they say, listen, we're going to let the scorer give us all he's got because we don't think he can do it by himself. And that's why you do see Jordan in 86 have that game. You see Dominique Wilkins also in 86 have those types of games. But that's their gamble. They say, this one guy can't beat us, and then he does it. They lost that gamble. Uh, no, over a seven-game series, sure, you win it. But it, it speaks to his greatness in, in the same way it does for Jordan, in the same way it does for Dominique.
1: You kind of talked me into like. I really didn't consider King to be someone that can make it this high. I, 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 the, we're so passionate about uh, about Bernard King. It's really, it's really a uh, getting up there. But before we get too crazy, our center nomination is Wes Unseld. And I always like to describe Unseld as this is the '70s Draymond Green, but what he does is more impactful. Given that defense is really valuable in this era, I hate West Unseld. I know you don't like his MVP. But he did win it. He does win the MVP. It's a strange year. What do you think about Unseld? And in, in, in the Bullets and the, the Capitals and whatever the fuck they were going by at the time, they changed names like six times. They're the best team of the 70s, and it's really driven by Unseld and Hayes. But I think people would like to tell you that it's Unseld. Kind of, kind of driving that bus. What do you think?
0: Well, it's easy to give more love to Unseld because he's actually a likable person, whereas Hayes is not. Why is Hayes not a likable person? Everyone just hates Hayes. That's I don't true. fully understand it. I never played basketball with him, but the people who did—listeners are shocked like, that we never played basketball with Elvin Hayes. Yeah, I know it's it's really shocking, but it's it nevertheless like Hayes. It, it's debatable who's less liked, him or Rick Barry, amongst players in this era. And I love reading oral histories, and everyone's just like. Loves to shit on Hayes and Rick Barry, and so it's really, it's a lot easier to give the love to West Unseld, who, who's a worse player. Um, yeah, but he does he does lead a great turnaround. I mean, they're a thirty six win team before he gets there, they're a fifty seven win team after he gets there. The MVP for the turnaround is huge, and you do see a good growth from a lot of the guys that were there the previous year um, to, to when they're playing with him, and they attribute a lot of that to his style. I would say it's as if you built a team around a Draymond Green and it actually worked. Like the skeptics view of could Draymond lead a team? Could he actually be this? This is that this is, you know,
1: having Draymond be your focal point. This is Draymond getting traded to the Pistons in midseason. I don't know. The Pistons are out, though. Pistons are out on the Draymond sweepstakes. Who's your who's the who's the new bad team? You see, the maybe the, what if the Jazz are like, we're like, we're in on this. I mean,
0: you could do the the Hawks. You could do yeah. the um, Bob or not
1: the Bobcats. you're like ten years behind.
0: No, no, the, the Hornets. I'm getting Charlotte. <laughs> no, no. Um, like, imagine if if Brean just left and went to Charlotte, and they won fifty games next season, like, and entered championship contention. I I personally do not believe that Draymond Green could do that. I don't believe like three years ago Draymond Green could have done that. But Wes Unseld is is a closer version to that of let me do all of the dirty work. Let me set these just brick walls of screens. Let me throw the most famous outlet pass in, in NBA history, which I'll never understand how that outlet pass is as revered and talked about. And he still has like three assists a game. Was it two assists
1: a game? It's, it's about it's a, you know he gets up there. Well, let's be let's be fair a little bit. He gets up to five assists per game towards the end of his okay. career. He's not shooting as much. It's five to four. Um, Nineteen sixty nine, his rookie year, to seventy five. Encel is twelve points per game, sixteen boards, and three and a half assists. And the, de- they, they, the defense is, is great. He's a fantastic defensive center. He crashes the boards. And then like you said, if you built a team around Draymond, and it's also the seventies, would you when that kind of basketball was more impactful? playing that winning brand, in a sense, doing the little stuff. But again, I think it is really tricky, because I don't, I really don't view Unseld as one of, like, the most dominant players. And even with an MVP, that is a purely winning impact and little things MVP. Does that make sense? I just, I feel like King could take his team to Great heights with his own ability, where Unseel could really make his put the players around him better, and then, I guess at this point, what do you value more?
0: Well, and it's it's a bit of a shock and awe MVP of like, oh man, this is the new hot thing, um and then he never does it again. It, it's there's no growth, there's no development. It's like, to put it in maybe a modern context, we all talk about Derrick Rose, or not we all, but th- there's a crowd that talks about Derrick Rose with the hypothetical, and they're like, man, he's the youngest MVP ever. Can you imagine what his prime would have been like if he got healthy? Well, for West Onseld, he was a rookie MVP, and then his prime never gets better. It, like, it stays slash maybe you kind of see some of the holes, and it kind of just like, oh, eh, all right. This isn't like a full career of MVP-level play. It's We got super excited at what this guy could be, and we kind of projected a little bit, and we were wrong.
1: He doesn't make the All-Star team his second year, and maybe there's more going into that, but... There's a lot of good centers. And, and I think when that awe kind of passes, they're like, yeah, but is he an all-star? Like, I guess not. But I think he's going to be in the top 100, but I'm not really sure. Are you interested in a Kevin Johnson, a Sidney Moncrief, and Amari Mari Stoudemire? Where is your heart at right now, Nate? I
0: mean, of the names, I, I like Bernard King the most, and I could possibly talk into the Sidney Moncrief. Hey.
1: I feel like Moncrief, Moncrief kind of reminds me of, it's, it's a version of what the Pistons built in the 2000s. It kind of Billups is at the head, but Rip Hamilton and Ben Wallace are just as important. Where that's a great team. Plus Rasheed Wallace, in essence, that's a title team. Where the Bucks always kind of fall short. Maybe if they had that fourth guy, they wouldn't have. But is it Phil Pressy or Paul Pressy? I'm, I'm totally Paul Pressy, right?
0: Well, can we can we lock in King at 83? And there's a reason why I want to lock him in there, and that's because of our next small forward on the on the board. We're we finally gonna figure
1: it out. I'm googling. I have to know. How do you pronounce? Mr. M Johnson of the Bucks of Bucks fame. Bernard King locked in at eighty-three. I think I like that. I like that. I remember. Um, what's that guy's name? What's that guy's name from the Nick Wright? You know Nick Wright, the ESPN guy. Marcus Johnson. Marcus, let's go. <laughs> I knew it was Marcus. Um, Nick Wright had his like top fifty. The last fifty it years. Was it was atrocious. It was atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. I think Bernard King was like in the in the 50th and like the 40ish or something range i think he was one of the first guys because i only i caught the first few after city moncrief was like number 49 i was like this is ridiculous this is just preposterous i'm out now do you know how nick wright got into sports like
0: yeah no. uh, nick wright won who wants to be a millionaire really and then sunk that money into making a sports casting career
1: it's <laughs> cool Smart guy.
0: I, you know, I'm like, that's, that is awesome. Please go back to winning who wants
1: to be a millionaire. She, like, he should go back. Do it again. Uh,
0: and like, See, he was
1: on a Ringer podcast. It was like, yeah, I lost it all gambling too. <laughs> do you want to talk about Marcus Johnson in terms of 85th spot? That seems high. That seems high, Nate. 84th spot, I mean.
0: I want to have the debate between him and, and Moncrief because they are the two driving engines. And I think Moncrief is the better version but Johnson has a little bit better of a career a little bit longer of a career it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to say the least
1: it's a little bit longer he also gets up to 25 points per game in 1979 that team isn't as good that's part part of why his uh his numbers are there he also averages 10 boards a game as a rookie which is just that's pretty impressive I didn't know that Look, like I've probably looked at this page a hundred times and never caught that.
0: Also, when when doing some research for this pod, I found a couple of interviews of him, which of course I did not listen to. I just read the transcripts of, like an idiot, because uh, I, would, I would definitely know how to pronounce his name. Um, but I really love hearing players talk about other players, and I, I mentioned bringing this up with King, but he he says like the three hardest players he had to play against were Larry Bird, Bernard King, and James Worthy. And... You know, on King, he talks about him being a headache, a migraine. Uh, He worked so hard for position. He'd beat you up to establish offensive position,
1: and and then you know, once he got it, there's there's kind of nothing more you could do. Before we get to into Johnson, he is the small forward of the Bucks' eighties run, and he's got. He is the point forward of the Bucks' eighties run. A
0: word that he coined. He he claims to be the origin of the term point forward in their 84 series where tiny archibald is out injured uh he takes over running the point guard her position while still kind of playing the the
1: small forward role and claims to have coined it in that moment that's that's pretty cool so he is the point forward for the bucks and uh, from 1978 to 84 with the bucks he is 21 points per game seven and a half boards, and three and a half assists with about a block and about a steal on 53% shooting, which is just nuts efficiency. He's a five-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA. He's gone by the time the Bucks make that last conference finals in 86. He's replaced by Terry Cummings. And essentially, he's good enough to have to be replaced by two really good players in Paul Pressey and Terry Cummings. I'm And I'm going to look up right now whether it's Paul or Phil Pressey, because those are two people that do exist. It's Paul Pressey. It's Phil Pressy Is he Paul's dad? Maybe, but are we comfortable passing up on MVP on on the Big U on Wes Unseld for one or both of these guys? Listen, you're gonna have to stop me because
0: I, I will just let let Unseld slide indefinitely. We can we can talk about him, you know, 2025, oh, some okay. some year like that. Uh, but but I, I just it's probably probably fair to start thinking about him. It's yeah. probably fair to to start. Uh, and he and he and Bernard King actually tie in the Matrix. So it, they're definitely a similar case. but it it's just kind of a disappointing career to come in, have the bar set at MVP. And, and I think if if we never set the bar at MVP, it we'd never have this conversation. But we set that bar. We said he's an MVP caliber player. And I'm kind of just
1: disappointed by the rest of his career. It's the only All NBA team he ever makes. And it's the only time he's first in MVP voting. 8th, 14th, 9th and 11th. Those are the only finishes. And looking at that 69 MVP voting. He he wins and he wins pretty handily. He beats out Willis Reed. The third is Billy Cunningham, then Bill Russell who just Celtics are great again. Russell's not I, he, this is literally his last season. And then 34-year-old Elgin Baylor. There's really this is just a case of there's really no one there. There's there's no NBA giant to come take this MVP and and unself comes in you're like whoa like this is crazy look at this turnaround had kareem just been even there i don't think he's drafted yet i think it's 70s his first year i think he'd probably he probably takes that as a rookie given the circumstances given who he was competing against
0: can we give it can we can we retroactively give
1: the mvp to kareem for being a senior in college in UCLA can let's let's you want to do Moncrief then unselled. i i would
0: like moncrief than unselled um and, and one of the reasons why i was kind of talking so much about johnson is these players are incredibly similar and their their impacts are uh, johnson and moncriefs are, are kind of debatable as to who has a better um impact when you just look at raw numbers and raw statistics um but moncrief moncrief does so much defensively and really steadies the ship in a way that goes underappreciated i mean uh the different writers polls and amalgamations that i use for the matrix he's the 98th player out of a lot of hundreds like that that's his average ranking is 98th and i i think that they under what he does my matrix does not look at any defensive awards just awards that are kind of used to rank players so are you an all-star Top 24-ish players, are you All-NBA, top 5, 10, 15-ish MVP? And he comes in 61st all-time and how that balances out. And I think I think he is definitely the best player on the Bucks, even though it is close.
1: I think I like this place, but I'm glad we can get unsettled in there before he starts free-falling. We're looking at 86 now. We have two new candidates for the shooting guards. It's Reggie Miller, five-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA player. Played in almost 1,400 games at 18 points per game, three assists, and three boards. One of the greatest shooters ever. For a long time, made the most threes in NBA history. The most efficient scorers ever. One of Nate's least favorite players. I feel Reggie Miller. So I've you're gonna appreciate this okay um
0: i've been reckoning a lot with my reggie miller uh hatred because i have this thing that i want to start buying jerseys every year on my birthday for whatever year i am turning that's really cool i i meant to do it this past year uh, but i never quite pulled the trigger on a bernard king jersey and then i was really trying super hard to find a George McGinnis jersey. Um, but it it started this like rabbit hole search and technically I started this when I was 21 and then I graduated college and it was broken. I had no money, but that's why I have this Dominique Wilkins jersey right here. Um, now I'm just picking them up off the internet when some poor college schmuck moves to MSU and is like, man, I want beer money. This Mitchell and Ness uh $200 jersey i'll sell for 40 bucks i'm like thank you
1: I... <laughs> you just take you're taking advantage of the poor of the poor mate dude that's i mean i got this kevin garnett jersey like two weeks ago i'm i'm pumped i mean i've had my
0: my team act but this this is how i get my jerseys. i wait for college kids to decide they need beer money or like money for christmas and MSU is a wonderful cult of an existence that says pro sports don't matter, just fall in love with college, so they sell
1: their NBA jerseys. Yeah, what the, quite the tangent on a uh, I of this is a love or a hatred for these people.
0: Well, so, so to, to rein in my tangent and to go back to Reggie Miller, the case for Reggie Miller is longevity and, and consistency because Reggie Miller, pretty much from the time he is, what, 24, 24. 1990? until 2000 it's
1: a, it's a straight 11 it's a, no don't go back on it i know it's only 10 years or it's 11 seasons don't don't freak out on me stay with me well it, you know he does he comes after
0: college so he doesn't have that that youth of a lot of you guys but when we look at night as age 23 it's 16 points per game uh and at age 36 also 16 points per game so we're talking 14 years like that we're talking. Not missing many games over
1: that tenure, like well, he, he plays. He's all always on games. the court. He's always on the court. Tells his age thirty eight season. He's twenty minutes a game. Age twenty two. His first year, he just he starts just one game at twenty two minutes a game. But every se- every other season, he's thirty plus upwards of thirty nine minutes a game. In two thousand and one, at age thirty five, the Pacers were relying on on Miller. And this is a
0: dumb number, but do you want to guess where he ranks in all time minutes played? combined regular season and playoffs so guys who have more playoff success are going to have more
1: advantages Combined, i mean he's i'm gonna say reggie miller is 15th he is 14th hey check it out and you know there there
0: are some some staple names that we also didn't really love and we dropped um like carl malone like john stockton um but he's he's Fourteenth all time in a list that includes Kareem, LeBron, Carl, Kobe, Dirk, Duncan, Jason Kidd, Kevin Garnett, Wilt Chamberlain, John Stockton, Elvin Hayes, Moses Malone, and John Havlicek. The the career longevity. He is eighteenth in combined playoff and regular season win shares, despite never winning a ring. Like he contributed to winning at an incredibly high level for a really long time. I mean, I guess maybe not incredibly high, but uh, incredibly above average for much longer than most players do.
1: There's a few things that could change that really would affect Miller's career. And it's a few missed finals runs because he has the one, he has the one, but he's one in five, one in five in the Eastern Conference Finals. He gets to that, that third round so often, or yeah, third round, he plays in 39 Conference Finals games. How many do you think he wins? Um, man, what's his record in conference finals games? Conference final, you said 39 39.
0: 39, he plays in the, the five times, so six 16, times, six, sorry, six times,
1: that's
0: six bad. times. So that means he's taking 24 losses, so he's
1: winning 15 games. It's he's he's 17 and 22, and he's 39 because ah, he did win the one time. He wins yeah. the one time. Um, that's that's a, that's this is a five. It's just that's five win difference in '94. The Pacers make the conference finals. They lose in seven to the Knicks. In the year after that, '95, they lose in seven to the Magic. And Miller is incredible in both of those games. He's basically twenty-five, three and three and two on fifty percent shooting lead efficiency even 1998 they pushed the bulls to to seven in the conference finals in 1999 they pushed the knicks to six in the conference finals he has the way he finally breaks through in 2000 just to run into Shaq. even in 2004 they pushed detroit to to six at this point miller isn't really contributing at a high level but man there is there is a world where reggie miller makes like makes five finals and wins two of them. That's in the cards. It's I mean, You always talk about rings left on the table. Miller has those, and they're not as obvious because he's not making the finals necessarily. It's always so, so close in the 95 conference finals. Game six. If they lose, the Pacers go home, and Miller comes out and drops 36-7-2 and on 13 of 19 shooting. Now, the next game, the Pacers as a whole just kind of drop an egg, and Miller included in that in Game 7, but at clutch, this is there. The big game stuff is there. He really is one of the best playoff performers ever. I had gone through, and I don't remember the numbers anymore, but there is an abundance of playoff series where he leads the entire series in scoring. And then uh, uh, there's another separate abundance where he leads just the pacers and scoring he is a playoff scoring nightmare he should be our next pick
0: so i, I want to now talk about the dark side of reggie miller Please. the dark side of reggie miller is that he is a one dimensional player and he does not find ways to contribute what was the stat line that you read about him in game sevens i will find it in one second for breathing direct it was something like 25
1: ish points you're talking about game seven or that game six i talked about uh, the one they played well in He's 36 points seven boards two assists two steals okay that's that's actually fantastic rebounding from it's Miller. pretty good, it's pretty good. Yeah. we can go to game seven it's a disaster for everyone on the pacers um miller's 12 points four boards zero assists two steals on five of 13 shooting yeah Is there's your well, uh, there's your fodder
0: well, and I've got another fodder game, which is game six of the 98 series against Chicago, because we, we celebrate. We love the fact that Chicago pushed or uh, Indiana pushed Chicago. The Bulls, the last of the 3 the last dance, they are this, this challenge. In game six, which the Pacers win to force game seven, Reggie is two for 13, eight points, two rebounds, zero assists. And that two rebounds and zero assists, I mean, we can cherry pick games right and left. We can talk about the games that we saw where he had X or Y. But Miller, over his 15-year playoff career, averages three rebounds and two and a half assists. Miller is a scorer that does not bring much else to the table. You know, we're talking about three rebounds, three assists. Totally fair. And we're also talking about it within an era where the game is really slowed down. Um, which we, we can debate if that makes scoring more or less important. Um, I, I kind of think it, it makes it a little bit less important, the fact that, that he's not bringing elite defense, which is a staple of the era, that he's not setting up his teammates, which could have boosted their offense to a, a different level. Reggie is running around. Reggie is catching and shooting. He's creating his own shot with his off-ball movement you watch him run through screen after screen after screen and it's fantastic but ultimately the pacers offense over those years is a co-equal offense between him and
1: rick Smits. and what does that say he was really i think if we're gonna say it was just him and rick Smits, well him and rick Smits are good enough to make six conference finals sure and so these are two those are two very effective players and i think for miller to be such a great scorer to be, to be able to come up big in playoff series, and playoff games, whether he was sharing that with Rick Smith or it's like, I don't really think that brings him down necessarily. I think it's just like, I think it's just cool for the Pacers. It's just a little side note in a sense. Yeah.
0: The other knock on Reggie Miller is that within his own era, he is not that guy. You know, he, he picks up an all-star appearance with Jordan basically being gone. He is only a five-time All-Star, despite being at this level. It's kind of like if enough guys ahead of him get hurt, he makes it. If they stay healthy, he doesn't. Um, one of his three-third All-NBA teams is with Jordan gone, and and it's tricky.
1: It's back to what we talked about earlier with the guy that kind of runs under the radar, underneath the Vince Carter, underneath the team back yeah. where Miller's I think what makes up for Miller is he is so good for so long where Vince Carter kind of stops being like a super productive player by age like 32 but Miller is has a longevity to make up for the fact that guys like Mitch Richmond just kind of pass over him and have like a better peak in the moment um other shooting guards that I can't remember do you have anyone in mind Mark Price who, who is a point guard but
0: you know they, they have a more similar game than not like Price is a has a higher peak. Price is a four-time All-Star. Is it has an all-NBA first team under his belt? Uh it gets at the MVP buzz in a way that Reggie never does. And by gets in, I mean is like seven to ten for four seasons as opposed to never in the top ten. Um it, it's a higher peak than Miller, her from the guard spots. But it
1: truly lasts so long that you look back and you're like, I think that was better than it actually was.
0: Yes. Yes, and it's it's capped off by the finals performance which we always tend to say the best player on the finals team, the best player on champion, the best player here. But there's different levels. It's different being the like unilateral best guy and being part of a conglomerate and being part of a more co-even like five man unit. And that's really what Miller is. Is he's the best guy like if you're weighting the workload he maybe has 25% of the workload and the worst starter maybe has 15 whereas like Jordan probably has 50% and Scotty's got like 30 and the other couple of bulls are you know it's it's just a different level of of being the best guy so i would actually lean in this spot more towards kevin johnson
1: and we talk about someone who I I might prefer a little bit, and maybe you might prefer a little bit, it's, our, it's the next center up after Wes Unseld. We took Wes Unseld, right, after? Yes. Okay, it's Alonzo Mourning. Mourning is a seven-time All-Star, two-time block champ, two-time All-NBA, and two-time Defensive Player of the Year. Mourning does get to that peak. Mourning does have that MVP buzz season, and it's for real. He finishes, he narrowly doesn't win it. He almost wins it in 1999. A lockout year. It's a lockout year. He's just eight, eight first place votes short of beating Karl Malone in that MVP race. He's he's one of the best players in the league at the time. And over from 1993 to '02, which is a really long time, age 22 to 31, he's 20 and 10 to three blocks. He's he's anchoring defenses. He's able to get his own shot. He's playing for pretty good teams. Um, he's winning playoff series. Then they're few. You know, not crazy, but they can do it. And he's playing well in playoff series. Do you like? Do you like alonzo morning
0: i i think i kind of have to because of the stances that i've set of uh, of peak over um uh, over longevity but i think this is where it gets really close um another just interesting thing about morning's career is how often he played the knicks and how much kind of shady brawly i mean it's, it's actually very much not shady it's very much out in the open of players getting suspended um Gosh, what series is it that uh... he
1: plays the Knicks five times?
0: Yeah, and there's there's the brawl series in there where um, you know you have Jeff and Gundy getting dragged around on the leg. Um, but there's another Mashburn shoving someone and getting uh, another. There's there's multiple series that are decided by suspensions and multiple kind of toss ups in there. I, I think ultimately with the three '90s guys out there, I I would go Kevin probably kevin alonso then miller but I could be talked into kevin miller morning
1: interesting you're not not a kevin johnson we haven't we haven't talked much about kevin johnson but i will find it the 1991 Suns, 90 1990 Suns. there it is 1990 Suns. it's kevin johnson averaging 22 and 11 tom chambers is 27 at night and it's dan marley and jeff Hornisack and it's a great team they In 54 games, they actually have the highest SRS in the league. By SRS, that was the best team in 1990 was actually the Suns, which is really interesting. And with that, you could say, hey, like, the, the players around him are world beaters. It's, it's Arnasek and Marley and Tom Chambers with Kevin Johnson kind of running the show. You can get the best team in the league. I don't think you could ever have that for Reggie unless you take the running the show part out of it and I'm a little you know the thing with morning is that like if he if that ninety, if that 99 season ends with him winning a playoff series I'm all in like I, but it doesn't it just does yeah. um after he almost wins MVP he drops 21 8 and, and 1 on pretty standard efficiency and they lose to the Knicks in a five game series and that's it and that that, that great season is essentially over and i want to say there's some chicanery in that yeah.
0: I, I i keep using Chicanery or but it's it's not. It's it's open brawling. It's, <laughs> it's, it's open fights and players getting suspended. Yeah. Um and so maybe maybe this is actually one of the seasons without it, but it's there's enough there with them and the Knicks because because of the the Pat Riley stealing um just a lot of bad blood and a
1: lot of kind of interesting pushback. All right, I'll give you the final say on the order of these three guys. Okay. I, I, I'm all I'm all in on it. Do you want to go, Kevin Johnson? Yes. And then, man, because I, I, is the lo- is the longevity worth it? I think it is. I think let's go Reggie, and then Lonzo Mourning. It totally goes in the face of everything that we ever said, but I think for Reggie, you're looking at probably one of the ten best longevities ever, and that that matters.
0: I I, I think it's one of the twenty best. This, which is where he ranks in minutes and wind shares and a lot of a lot of cumulative stats. He's like in the top twenties all time. Um and I just want to check our our upcoming shooting guards before we lock all of this in. So we lock in our point guard. Um, that would bring the next point guard up to be Tim Hardaway Senior. Do we think he has any case over the guy? The the other three? We can dive into him more, but just quick before we we lock in and kind of move on.
1: I I actually
0: do want to wait on Alonzo Borne because I'm interested in our shooting guard, maybe Thompson. Okay, okay. So if we lock them in. Um, then our next three on the board, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, are going to be Tim Hardaway Sr.,
1: David Thompson, and Bob Lanier. That is true. Are, you, are we doing Alonzo Morning? Are you interested in a David Thompson over Alonzo Morning?
0: Make the case. Or actually, before you make the case, can I read you kind of snippets of something that I wrote years back on David Thompson? Please, go ahead. So there are three things that David Thompson is known for. First, his nickname, Skywalker. Because of his amazing leaping ability, he's listed at 6'4", but some believe Thompson to be shorter, making his high-flying even more impressive. It's said that he could snatch quarters off the top of backboards. Even those skeptical of those claims would say, he can't do that, but he can put his elbow in the rim. Michael Jordan called him his inspiration. He wins the first slam dunk, er, he, he competes in the first slam dunk contest, losing only to Julius Irving. His leaping ability was not just used for dunking, though. It resulted in some of the greatest highlight blocks of his era. He was a chase-down blocksman of the likes of Dwayne Wade. Players had never seen Thompson's size and leaping ability on either end of a fast break, stopping it it on defense or throwing it down on offense. The second thing Thompson's remembered for is his scoring, particularly when him and George Gervin battled it out for the 78th scoring title. Thompson had to go first. He goes out there. Scores 53 points in the first half of the final game of the season. Finishes the night with 73. Gervin, knowing his number to beat, going into his game, pushes hard. He needs at least 58 points. He squeaks over the edge with 63. But Thompson's 73 points still is an NBA record of of one of the highest scoring games of all time. Unfortunately, the third thing about David Thompson is the saddest thing. That is, his career is derailed by drugs and alcohol abuse, which led to a good number of injuries. Thompson takes a step back after his fourth year and is out of the league by 30. Like many other 70s players, Thompson developed a cocaine and alcohol problem, which destroyed his body, and basically that's the end.
1: That was wonderful. We should take more of the things that you write.
0: That was perfect. <laughs> I, you I know, think... Try- I also did classes in spoken word poetry, so like, if I could actually write something
1: half decent, I can speak it. okay. <laughs> That's great. I really want to take David Thompson over Alonzo Mourning, and I'm trying to figure out how I could justify this. Part of me just likes. I feel like with Alonzo Morning, you're getting a pretty good player, and if things go mm-hmm. right, you get an NBA player. And obviously, things don't always go right given his kidney failure, and he does miss. It is, it's towards the end of his career, anyways. He's—he's already thirty-two, but he gets really that—that that end end of his prime taken away. But with Thompson, you get that flash where it's like, hey, if David Thompson's playing, this is like one of the five best players in the world. Um, and even yeah. like you look at the playoffs, there's like, oh, like David Thompson only won two playoff series, like that's disappointing, but. Lonzo Mourning only won four in his prime. It's not exactly, he's he's breaking it down. Um, In those playoffs, like in the playoffs, those four years, 76, 77, 78, 79, plays in 35 playoff games, and he's 26 points a game, five and a half boards, three and a half assists, a steal and a block on 49% shooting. He's the best guard in the league. I think with Alonzo Mourning, you're like, yeah, he was the, his first team, First-team All-NBA first team, all, uh, first team all NBA at the center position. It's kind of in a strange year. I, th- like, I think Shaq gets hurt, and Ewing's basically gone, and Akeem's basically gone, and it's just... I feel like he catches it at the right time. Thompson didn't need the right time. Like the, the, the league's merged. All the talent in the world is in one league, and he was still dropping seventy-free points.
0: Thompson, Thompson screws up George Gervin's career. He is that good in 78 that he acts like a third party stealing votes away from kirvin that that final night and like that's the night that you have to submit your mvp voting i mean this isn't the modern context where you've got league pass up and both watching both these guys duel it out but you best believe people are watching people are paying attention players are you know trying to figure out who's who's outscoring it's neck and neck and he takes 28 first place votes 28 and a half actually because someone decides that they want to give it to both Gervin and Thompson. And then George Gervin ends up with 80 first-place votes. Bill Walton with 96. It's the least amount of votes. It's less than 40% uh, of the the first-place votes needed to win this. Like, it, the it's the harambe of, of the 2016 election. It's it's such a, a an amazing three-year stretch. Because it's really just three years. I know I said four, but... Like, it's by the fourth year that he's on the decline. And that is just just wild.
1: There's something really sad about Thompson. I don't know if you know this, but the NBA used to have, like, NBA classic all-star games. They'd bring back old players and they would play. Mm -hmm. They stopped doing that after Thompson plays and gets hurt. After all of that, after all the injuries, uh, Thompson, I think him and Norm Nixon, the Lakers' uh, 70s guard, both get just brutally injured because they're in their 40s at this point. Um, I think this is like 1992, 40s. Maybe older than that. Um, and I guess 40s. Yeah, 40s. We'll, we'll stick at 40s. Um, and so that guy, it's kind of a cherry on top, like an evil, rotten cherry on top of the, of the Thompson career is getting hurt again, trying to play the All Star game. But do you want to do Alonzo Mourning and then David Thompson? No, I want David Thompson. I want David Thompson too. Let's do it. I want that memory, that that splash in the
0: pan, and maybe maybe that's something that we'll say about Derrick Rose um too in in some years maybe we're just too close to the derrick rose because he's not really in this conversation yet but that's that's kind of what this this is is this is a guy that should have been there and he shows us he's on this
1: level for the listeners at home thompson played in 592 games Averaging 22.7 points, four boards, three assists on 50% shooting. That's it. He's added lead by 29. And just for comparison, and on
0: that, good time. Derek Rose in his first four years is 21 points per game, 280 games. So it's, it, it, there is, there's still the case that, that Thompson is higher in, in the first four years that, than Rose so I, I make the comparison just to try to add some modern context to it. But I that's, that's what we're talking about. It's like a better Derrick Rose. We have a point guard
1: nomination we never really talked about. We've mentioned him and Tim Hardaway Sr., the five-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA player. is in 867 games at 17 points, eight assists, and three boards. Are we interested in him at the 89th slot, are we looking at Alonzo Mourning now? What, make, what makes Hardaway interesting, really, is he, he starts off on fire. Three All-Star appearances, three All-NBA appearances, and then it takes us to He gets hurt. He blows out his knee at age 27, and then he it takes about two seasons, three seasons to get back, and then 97, 98, he's leading these really good Miami teams, and then he kind of ages out as a smaller guard does, but if we could have had that Age 27, 28, 29, season's back for Hardaway. You're looking at uh, at the player that's much higher on this list.
0: He's poised to take over the top point guard, Mantle, from Magic Johnson. I mean, he's kind of already—he ellipses Isaiah Thomas in those early 90s, even as Thomas is winning championships. Uh, Hardaway is arguably a better individual player. He's got a low-fast crossover— the, the period prior to his injuries he's basically 26 fixed points per game um like almost 10 assists and two steals like he is he is doing it all um and you know there are accounts from jason kidd and gary payton being like yeah tim was supposed to be the best point guard of this era like the, the point guards of that era looked at him just with reverence and then those injuries hurt him the, the, this is a wonderful range we should we should t- devote hours of our lives talking about the 81 to 100 that is what we could have been. We
1: have. This is going to be the longest section of any of these pods. Not not one through twenty, not the greats, but eighty through a hundred is gonna take us about two and a half hours to get through. Or Marcus nah. Johnson and Amari Sodemeyer are are falling out of the sky. Not really Marcus Johnson, he he's been pretty recent, but Amari's been waiting since last episode. <laughs> are we we're just gonna just acknowledge that he's there so the listeners aren't confused? I don't know why we haven't acknowledged him, but then we can move on again.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is the right spot for Tim Hardaway Sr. I think him and Kevin Johnson are are very similar cases kevin maybe not quite as high of a peak but a little bit longer of a peak and i'm i'm willing to make that sacrificial trade-off but i like having them in the same ballpark of each other
1: how about the 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 shooting guard nomination left in uh david thompson's absence it's vince carter
0: no all right that's fine i mean so here's the difference between vince Talk carter <laughs> and the, the the difference between vince carter and, and reggie miller they're rather similar. Their case is longevity, not peak. Neither is really an MVP candidate. Neither is like cracking MV or all NBA first teams, not really even cracking much of all NBA second teams. You're talking about someone who, in his best couple of years, is maybe a top 15 guy, but more likely than not is somewhere in the 20 to 30 range.
1: People always overvalue Vince Carter. When I did my top 75, that was one of the biggest ones mentioned. Even when the NBA came out with it, they're like, where's Vince Carter? He should be on there. I think this is the part where Vince Carter gets overrated. From 2010 to 2020, age 33 to 43, he averages 10 points, rewards, and 2 assists on 41% shooting. And people saw that happen. By you know, by the time he's in Atlanta, age forty-three, all you can think about is how good he was in two thousand and one. And I think it makes those eight points, three boards, and two assists seem like they're they're special Vince Carter points, man. They're magical, but they're not. They they, they aren't as they aren't as important. And, and there are a thousand players who have average eight, three, and two. Harder doing it doesn't help that case. And so you go back and look at exactly what you said, which is about it, you know, it's an eight year stretch where maybe at the, at his best, he's kind of scratching on the, on the top 10, top 12, but he's probably closer to top 20.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like Carter will make this list. I'm not going to do a top 100 and leave Carter out to dry, but I think, I think Tim Hardaway senior is a higher value piece. Um, You know, we've got, I would take a couple of the other
1: nominations, maybe not a couple, but. At least Tim Hardaway Senior over him. I'm all in for Tim Hardaway Senior at 89. Bringing up Kyrie Irving in the point guard spot. So just to recap, we have Tim Hardaway, Tim Hardaway's gone. We have Kyrie at the point guard position. Vince Carter, Marcus Johnson, Ari Stoudemire, and Alonzo Mourning. Still is now the time for Alonzo Mourning.
0: Oh, I thought we locked him in at 89, but I I'm down for him at 90. I I think that's probably kind of like, better. I like yeah, like that yeah. I like that. which brings Bob Lanier to the
1: uh, the table. 10 spots left in this list. Pressure's on. Let's talk about Lanier just briefly. There's something I wanted to mention, because Lanier doesn't have a lot of playoff success. In fact, you could argue he has none at all, and that really is what holds him back. He also makes no All-NBA teams. He essentially isn't better than Kareem at any point, and then uh, guys' spurts eclipse him. It's it's Bob McAdoo and and Spencer Haywood, maybe, and, and guys like that, essentially. But in the playoffs... From seventy four to seventy seven, he wins just one playoff series. But he's twenty in, in these twenty two games. He's twenty five and a half points, fourteen boards, three and a half assists, and two and a half blocks on fifty four percent shooting. The team isn't very good. Bob Lanier is absolutely dominating. So,
0: there's this wonderful quote that I found in my research, uh, and it comes from New York Times author Vincent Malzoni. Um, the author of basketball, author of basketball: at the legends and the game, and he describes Bob Lanier as Shaq with a jump shot, and I'm just gonna say,
1: uh, that Shaq sounds- with
0: a jump shot, <laughs> way too high of praise. Also, fundamentally misses what makes Shaq good. <laughs> Shaq's ability to pound people inside and just force his way to the basket that makes Shaq
1: good. Shaq with a jump shot, is just a worse player. Another thing to note about Lanier is we have mentioned the 80s Bucks a few times, and he is the c- the center for the 81, 82, 83, and 84 Bucks. He makes an all-star team in 82, so the 80s Bucks, a lot of representation in the 80 to 100 range. Where's Terry Cummings? He's got to be around here somewhere. For Lemire, be like 130. That's true. For Lanier, he has just a beautiful resume of almost a thousand games. He's about 40 games short, 20 points per game exactly, 10 boards per game, basically exactly. Um, 20.1 and 10.1. It's just, it's it's a beautiful thing to look at. He's a 20 and 10 player for about a thousand games. I'm a bigger fan of Bob Lanier than you are. I think if he manages to win some of those playoff series, we look at him differently, but he's doing everything he can. So he is an eight-time all-star.
0: And never All-NBA. Do you want to... I want to see if you can name the players that are All-NBA over him. Okay. Do you have him? I have the list. Okay. It's Kareem. Kareem. Walton. Walton. Uh, McAdoo. McAdoo. Look at the years. So I have eight of them listed out.
1: There's eight of them.
0: Yes. Boy. Um, You've gotten four with Kareem, Walton. Oh, sorry, just three. Kareem, Walton, and McAdoo. Yeah. Yeah. Cowens. Cowens. Who am I missing? I apologize. There are seven. All right.
1: What are the rest of them? The rest of them are Willis Reed, Wilt Chamberlain, and Moses Malone. Yeah, I, uh, I undershot. I was thinking more late 70s, but I, I, see, the, I see the eclipse
0: 72-73. I mean, he, he loses out on all NBA teams to Moses Malone and, and uh, Wilt Chamberlain, Willis Reed,
1: Kareem. Like, it. this is... Players that are better than him, we've acknowledged that. Yeah. I think it's okay that he's not making the NBA teams because we already said those players aren't as good as him. Yeah, are, like, are better than him. I mean,
0: it's just an incredibly, incredibly deep run, and you know we also have Artis Gilmore who's not making it, but he still makes an eight-time All Star, still makes the All Star game eight times. It's. A really, it's a Reggie Miller type of level of consistency without as much success. Um, I'm not as high on Lanier. I I think I would rather have Stoudemire's peak as just like the quintessential best, you know, slam and dunk power forward of the mid 2000s. Um, Maybe I'd rather have Vince Carter's longevity, and I'd rather have Marquise Johnson's do everythingness. And I, I hate to say it, but I think I'd rather have our. New point guard nomination
1: now that Tim Hardaway Senior is off the board. Interesting. All over Bob Lanier. Are you tell me, Bob Lanier is your least favorite. Your least favorite. Yeah. And that's pretty bad. It, it, you know, it, looking at it, the seventy-two Pistons. Bob Lanier is twenty-five and fourteen. Dave Bing is there, averaging twenty-two and seven. Jimmy Walker, who's Jalen Rose's dad, by the way, um, averaging twenty-one, three and four, and that team wins twenty-six games.
0: Plus, how many Bobs could you have on a list? Yeah, this it's would be just, our fourth. It's,
1: too many Bobs. That's, that's yeah. realistic.
0: I mean, this would be our fourth straight up Bob, not even Robert. Like, you know, we're, we're like Bob McAdoo who, where's, where's my list of Bobs? All right, let's, let's start over.
1: Are we interested in, in Kyrie? Cause I, part of me kind of is with, there's, there's the title we have of all of these players. This is the one at it. This is a, the second-best player on a title team. Was the first-best player on that team, the greatest player of all time at his absolute apex? Yes, but he still was that, and we haven't had that conversation in a long time. We've been talking about, oh, this guy was, you know, a part of a good team that made the conference finals, and they played pretty well, but this is a bona fide second-best player in a title team and just an unbelievable talent outside of that. Kyrie does not average 20... Sorry, Kyrie does not average 20 points per game in the 2016 season. Uh, Regular season. I feel like if you asked a thousand NBA fans on the street, like how many points did Kyrie average in the 2016 regular season, they would tell you like 27.
0: And misses is a good chunk of the season. He only plays 53 games. So we're talking 29 games missed. It's his finals contribution, his playoff contribution is yes. incredible.
1: 25 but... points, five assists, three boards on. 47, 44, 87
0: splits. But I, I, I mean, I don't know that anyone else in this era could do that, but I do think if you put Marquise Johnson next to LeBron, they win a title. I think if you put Bob linear with LeBron, they win a title. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure Vince Carter wins a title.
1: Okay. Um, but I'm, I think in I'm this... in on it. The three, one comeback 20 he's 27, 27 four and four series. Yeah. It's a peak, yeah, man. It's... We like peaks. You want to do it? in the
0: spirit of hanukkah when we will be releasing this um this will be my olive branch my forgiveness to kyrie um kyrie you're an idiot stop doing dumb stuff but you play a beautiful game of basketball beautiful game of Please. basketball Please, yeah, please think before you post things online. I don't know why I'm speaking to you like you will ever
1: hear this, but... Hey, with the with the reaches of social media that Kyrie gets to, it's not off the table. He, he was finding documentaries like two people have seen before.
0: Hey, I... Listen, just because I figured Kyrie might be the type of guy, I shot him a DM. and He does have DMs blocked and invited him to come on the pod in case he ever wants to talk about why what he did was hurtful or like have that discussion with a pair of Jewish
1: podcast hosts. But he would He t- that sounds like something he would do it's our big moment.
0: Yeah but you know it's we're, we're not holding a lot of guys off the court antics against them in this um, and I think it would be unfair for us to then just flip on Kyrie for that so I think I think 91 is the right spot uh he comes in at 95 in the matrix and while our our rankings have been fairly volatile of the matrixes as lately um I think let me stop hitting my mic I, I think this is a good spot for him
1: with that we get Tony Parker I really love this I like this is a strong candidate coming up behind Kyrie a six-time All-Star, a four-time All-NBA player, a four-time champ, you get the contributions to titles of finals MVP. That's a contribution to a title. But what's more impressive to me is that 2012-13-14 run, where he is the leading scorer on the Spurs. I mean, 13, is it? Basically 2012-2013. These great Spurs teams are kind of led on offense by Parker. Now, they're great on defense, but there's a universe, and it's a Ray Allen shot away from Tony Parker probably got another finals MVP and like and led the Spurs to a championship. In that in 2013, in the playoffs beforehand in the West, he's just demolishing teams. He's 22, 3, and 6. He's 22-5 and 6. In the Western Conference Finals, he tears the Grizzlies apart. He's 24, 3, and 9. The finals are rough, and looking at it now, he probably isn't getting that finals MVP, but it's a great run. It's it's a fantastic run. It's uh, Tony Parker played at twelve hundred games at 15.5 points, 5.5 assists, and essentially three boards. But if you're going to look at more of like a prime, 2000, say 2003, 2014, age 20 to 31. So this, the, the longevity is here. He's 18 points per game, six assists, three boards. And a 50% shooting, that's part of what made Parker so dangerous is he was an elite scorer with with insane efficiency. Really one of the best finishers around the basket ever. Getting up to fifty two percent shooting without taking threes at all. He was shooting 64% around the basket for his career. That's insanity. And he
0: does have some some fantastic playoff moments. Tony Parker in the 2008 playoffs in a rematch against the Suns, who, you know, barring the Robert Ory hip check, Nash getting knocked out, the suspensions, like the, the Suns were a legitimate competition. The next year, Parker says, no, I'm going to average 29 points per game and just light the Suns up. And this is going to be a five game you know, four and one gentleman's sweep. Uh And I am going to take it to Steve Nash. Nash is 33 at this point, but Nash is 16.7.8 assists. Parker 29.6, seven assists. Like he, he has these moments and it actually um kind of cascades into, to one of the things that I really, I really kind of enjoy looking at ESPN Sports Illustrated and everyone's top tens from previous years. Um And, and like, The next year, he's well, not the next year, um, but Sports Illustrated at one point ranks him fourth in their preseason player rankings as they like expect him to get to this mantle. And he does not, he absolutely does not do it, but well, his consistency, his longevity, um, gets, keeps him around.
1: Uh, Touchback back on the,
0: sorry, go ahead. He does have a fifth place MVP finish.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it just it never quite peaks out. To touch back on his finishing abilities just really quickly, he shoots 64% from 0 to 3 feet, so right around the basket. Vince Carter shoots 58%. Vince Carter is six six and one of the greatest athletes of all time. And he's not finishing as well as Tony Parker. Amari Stoudemire shoots 67% at the basket and he has he is six ten, running pick and rolls with the one of the greatest passers ever these guys are, are harder can't touch him stoudemire is pretty much just as good tony parker's a six foot point guard being floaters and shit it's it's a level of finishing we we really haven't seen very much but are we in it are we interested is tony parker taken control of I, the 92 spot i'm 100 percent
0: interested and i think i think when we start looking at what's left on the board the next obvious guy is, is actually the guy that comes right after him him in the point guard role who has an incredibly similar case except for he has a finals mvp
1: to boot, and that is chauncey billups they both have finals mvps i know you like to forget the 2007 I finals do. mvp you hate it so much but he had totally <laughs> they both have I block,
0: it, I block it from my mind entirely because it just it makes me so mad <laughs>
1: like why why does tim duncan only have three finals mvps i don't know man with the billups you're getting a thousand games of just solid point guard play and he starts off in boston and he gets flipped um to toronto he goes to denver and minnesota and then finally at age 26 he lands in detroit and from age 26 age 33 he is seventeen points a game, six assists, three boards, and he's a great. Def- he's a great defensive guard, and he is making the conference finals over and over and over and over again. He makes it six times in the East and once in the West. That was. It's um, winning basketball. He is what he is truly a great playoff performer. He is Mr. Big Shot.
0: And like Tony Parker, he has a fifth place MVP finish, which is hey. These are not. The top guys but i think we've we've pretty much eliminated every other mvp outside of derrick rose who it's just just the the complete brevity of his career um billups has that seven year run and i looked at 2009 a lot as like a validation of Carmelo anthony's career the flip side of that argument is that billups might have done more um they are incredibly close when you start breaking down advanced metrics and the mvp shares the or not the the win shares the vorps the box plus like it's it's much closer than i sometimes like to give credit for um and i i am a strong proponent of not overrating the guy that is the best player of a conglomerate when really they are a great conglomerate but i i think you know we don't have Ben Wallace that far behind. Um Rip Hamilton be in the one 30, number.
1: 40, 50s and then shoot Wallace oh, I, behind that.
0: Yeah, yeah, like we're we're close. And I I think this is a good spot. I'd like to ha- I like having the representation of that championship team just inside of the top 100 um and then having the rest of the guys follow in the next, right? Mean, All right. Ben will be within the next 20 players. I don't know if he makes top 100 yet. I kind of, I have marked lines of demarcation on each of our positions, and I'm, I'm really interested to see which ones that you talk me out of.
1: Okay. Are we, so are we going Billups ups for, for 93? We still have Vince Carter. We have Marcus Johnson and Mari We still have Bob Lanier, who on his own is incredible. Imagine if he could have been part of the conglomerate. Are we awarding Billups too much because he was just, he, was, he had really awesome teammates?
0: No, I think we saw him in enough different situations that, okay. I mean, really just the other situation of the Nuggets. I think if he had just stayed with the Pistons this whole time, I might be a little bit more skeptical, but he is the, I mean, he's the agent of change when he gets to Denver that gets them farther than they've gotten beforehand and as far as they've ever gotten since you know, the Western Conference Finals. So I, I like locking him in there.
1: All right. That sounds good.
0: That brings Dave Bing to the conversation. Do you have any? Does it not bring Dave Bing. Okay,
1: Dave Bing. You, I remember when we did our point guards. I was so excited because I, 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 found Dave Bing and I was like, Dave Bing, the tenth best point guard ever. And you, you just destroyed it. And he ripped it into a thousand pieces. And you were right. And it's, I didn't look deep enough. As you look at Bing. You're like, this is a Hall of Famer. He has a scoring title. He's a three-time All NBA player, seven-time All Star. But being at his best isn't taking a team to the playoffs in an era where you really could just take a team to the playoffs not a ton of teams um.
0: well can i tell you that i looked more into it and i did find kind of the loophole okay go ahead the loophole is that the nba really devoted itself to divisions uh. and with that devotion to divisions you had to be a top two team in your own division and so there are times where divisions just would get stacked and you you didn't make it and that's not it, like this was one of the things that kept Kareem out but the 71 team they're 45 and 35 which is you know it's it's a 55 percent win team it's not anything fantastic but they don't make it because they are in the same division as the Milwaukee Bucks and the Chicago Bulls and the Phoenix Suns who won 66 51 and 48 games respectively the the Pistons at forty-five wins, you know, were better than several other teams that made the playoffs. The the Warriors forty-one and forty-one, the Bullets forty-two and forty, the Hawks thirty-six and forty-six. It's there it's not entirely, but that's just one season to
1: look at. Something to consider is we have we have teammate pairs in this list. Mm-hmm. We had C- we have Sidney Moncrief. Moncrief landed at eighty-four. Marcus is still on the board. You have Dave Bing and Lanier, who nominations right now. These guys were teammates in Detroit. They're maxing out at about 45 wins. Mm-hmm. And ceiling on Moncrief Johnson is 60 for that reason, I'm kind of leaning Johnson. We're really both those guys, which sounds strange, but I just kind of am. Yeah,
0: I, I would like to get Johnson and Carter off the board. Um, I think Johnson's my next favorite. I, I think his five-year peak is better than... Carter's and I just Carter's incredible longevity doesn't doesn't really wow me that much when so much of it is played as a, a role player
1: that's true it's because Reggie is even in his last season he kind of step he takes another step forward another contending team not a step forward, but they're like, hey, by the way, we need you again. He's kind of mm-hmm. like, I really planned on half retiring this season. But if you say so, then um, he's taking five more shots game than he was the, the season prior and his minutes are up again. But I think I like the Marcus Johnson, like you can have Marcus Johnson as the best player on a 60 win team.
0: Well, and best two player, but because I absolutely
1: sure. Absolutely
0: yeah. And it's it's a more of a co-equal pairing than anything else.
1: But Then we, I would much rather him than the Dave Bing Lanier because you look at what does that pairing get you? It's a center and a point guard, it's and it gets you basically nothing.
0: Yes, now they are the Venn diagrams of their careers are not perfect. Bing starts off earlier and starts to kind of decline, and by the time that uh, Lanier gets there, so like Bing's best several seasons are probably 67 to 71. Lanier enters in 71, so it's it's, it's not quite as as clean of an overlap as we would like. Lanier's best kind of years are probably 72 to 79. So it's it, it's a little bit more forgivable.
1: And that's true. That's true. For the listeners, Bing, 20 points and six assists, four boards, and over 900 games from 1960, uh, 1967 to 78. The Pistons, the Bullets, and one season with the Celtics. Could we, uh, are we comfortable accepting Vince Carter at 95? It, it's strange because we, are we, are we doing Johnson 94? Are we locking that in? Yes. Okay, Let's say With, with, with with marcus johnson leaving we have james worthy someone i'm sure tiktok is gonna destroy me not having on here but i still stand by that and agree with it i think maybe worthy at his best is a good playoff performer does he ever get to a top 15 player in the league i don't think so i think he kind of hovers around closer to really closer to 25 ish um, that's kind of the knock on him does he have insane playoff games absolutely and that's why he's that's why Worthy is going to be in the top 100, and he's going to be 40 spots ahead of someone like Joe Johnson, who has similar accolades in terms of the individual standpoint.
0: I think a very fair comparison to James Worthy is is Kyrie Irving. What did Kyrie ever do on his own when LeBron's out? Did Kyrie ever show this? Um, James Worthy, you see him without Magic, and his efficiency drops. You know what? Yes, he has these amazing games. But he'd also have an average game and come and go, and it's the pressure's not on him. the The looks, it's he gets kind of a pass where he can show up and be great with low expectations, and, and we've got guys
1: like that. And, and that's and, and part of with worthy is it doesn't last very long. He isn't Reggie Miller on the short Lakers. Yes. He comes in after he really comes into his own in '86. That only lasts lasts till really about '92. You could argue '91, but that's Age twenty-four to thirty. Twenty points, five boards, three and a half assists. It's pretty short, and it's not a—it's not a crazy. He never—he never gets past twenty-two points per game. There's no like, oh, that's the worthy season. He just kind of hums along, twenty points per game for about for about um two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven years. The given we just drag James worthy James worthy through the mud. How about going back to Vince Carter, like you said? Are we are we like Vince Carter yeah. at oh, the ninety yeah. fifth spot? All right, I'm in. Yeah. And so that that introduces Bill Sharman to the board. For Carter, just really quickly, because we didn't really go over what he did. What makes Carter special is really his seasons in Toronto. And he has some nice seasons in New Jersey, but age twenty-three to thirty, he's the, he's an all-star every year. Just two-time NBA, but you know that's okay. Twenty-four and a half points, five and a half boards, four assists, forty-four percent shooting. He's a, he's an elect such an electric player. The playoff success never really is there, but as long as he played. Having that kind of eight-year run is impressive, right? Yeah. You get Bill Sharman Bill coming up, and you know what? I don't, know. I don't think I'm ready for Sharman quite yet, but Sharman is really a dominant guard of the 50s for the Celtics. He, he's arguably the best free throw shooter ever. He's the Reggie air. Miller in black and white. I would argue he's better than than Miller. He is a seven-time All-NBA player. He's the first guard that shot over 40%. He kind of brings that. He's the first, like, hey, guys, you can actually, like, don't have to miss all these shots this
0: um, yeah he's he's the back end. i mean i guess NBA is 10 play it's but his his game is is reggie miller he is a yeah. run around lots of screens let me keep this movement high let me catch and shoot um i'm not really here to rebound i'm not really here to pass i'm not really a really great defender but like let me just shoot and he does it well
1: he does it extreme.
0: really does so bill Sharman makes two All NBA second teams while the NBA is using positionless rankings for this. He is the best guard or one of the two best guards in those votings. If if the league had used positional rankings, as they would later adopt, we are talking about a six-time All-NBA first-team player. Sure. I, I think that becomes misleading because you talk about the weakness of the guards in the era. He's not really an MVP discussions. Even when he's the first time all NBA player, but they're also not doing rank choice voting. They're just doing who's the best. That 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 skews his awards are all a little
1: bit skewy. Um, we take a look is, back at Stoudemire. I th- I think this is a great place for Stoudemire. I think so too because we're looking at okay, Sharman, That's the third best player in a title team. Worthy can be that too. I don't. We don't really know what a Lindir could have been. Stoudemire definitely could have been. Yeah, Stoudemire.
0: Stoudemire conceivably would have been the second best player on a title team barring some injuries barring the the suspension and i I kind of view the suspension as something different because that that didn't need to happen and it kind of derails a bit of his career i think I think eight ninety six is a great place is for stameye it's bubble top 100 you don't have to have him there and you people's personal rankings
1: that gives us first new power forward of the entire episode it's been two hours and 10 minutes and we haven't had a new power forward and we're finally here with blake griffin
0: yeah well what's what's crazy is that behind blake griffin is jerry lucas who has free fallen from the 53rd spot in the matrix
1: it's the rebounds man don't oh the the, the matrix loves rebound it
0: yeah i mean it it, it, it does enough to the point where it kind of hurts hurts him then he gets overrated and then people just left to trash on him
1: but let's let's talk about griffin for a second because you get a six-time all-star five-time all-nba player player that was good enough to have a a third place a third place MVP finish from 2011 up until 2019 and there's some some injuries among that stretch he's 22 points nine boards four and a half assists on 50 percent shooting at age 21 to 29 the playoffs never really happen You never get, like, this statement Blake Griffin series, unfortunately. Although 2015 against Houston comes really close, but they just blow that down the line. I'm still, like, kind of the team Bob Lanier, but I I think I kind of like Griffin over what we have on the board at the moment. How do you feel? I'm with
0: Griffin. I think it's disappointing that we didn't get to see him be the focal point of a team because one of the best things about Griffin was the potential for point Blake was, you know, he he kind of develops a three-point shot midway through his career. He has some really nice ball handling uh, and playmaking for a player of his size, but because of Chris Paul's influence, we don't see it, and there's an equal likelihood that if we don't have Chris Paul, he is worse because he doesn't have someone setting him up. But as I said earlier, I like going back and looking through his rankings year by year. And Sports Illustrated and ESPN rank their guys every year. He comes in tenth his second season in an espn's preseason player rankings, and he stays in the top fifteen for the next six years,
1: cresting at number five. Like I try to tell young people on TikTok that Blake Griffin was at some point a top five player in the league, and they won't have it. I've never been able to to make a video where the comments are like, "Oh yeah, I actually kind of remember that." I'm like, nobody really was he actually was at some point and whether he was like kind of fringe and he actually was just the seventh best player or whatever but people would just they refused to see it because the players that were behind him ended up kind of lasting longer in a sense um he really was there
0: yeah he he really is and it's it's a shame that he he's not going to be remembered as such i mean the the achilles heel of those clippers team weren't Griffin or Paul i mean they kind of were in the sense that they got hurt a lot but they had a, a shooting guard who was an excellent shooting guard, but didn't play any defense. They were always so scrambling they at them, the three.
1: They two of those guys. Oh, uh, yeah. J.J. Redick and Jamal Crawford. I just made a video on this, and DeAndre Jordan was unplayable at the end of the game. Yes.
0: So I think I think ninety-seven is a good spot, and that kind of leaves us with uh, the ability to include Jerry Lucas and get another power forward off the board. I would not mind James Worthy entirely at this point, um, if only to bring up... The guys right behind him, whom I think have have an argument to be top one hundred guys, and I, I I think I'm comfortable with Bob Lanier even at this point.
1: Are we? I forgot to mention this because we should have done it. Are we going back and putting um, Connie Hawkins above Roger Brown right right now?
0: Let's let's wait till we we get worthy off the board and we can have that okay.
1: conversation. I don't know. I don't know if we're getting worthy off the board. I don't know if that's gonna know to happen. Either. I think I think in terms of going back, Bob Lanier from seventy four seventy seven in the playoffs. 25 points 14 boards three and a half assists two and a half blocks on 54 percent shooting he's doing everything he can he's doing it all and he's the low seed because the team isn't great playing these great teams let me let me let me delve into it just a little bit for a second um his best series it was like a three game series in 77 the warriors rick Barry just kind of dismantles them and it's like a young robert parish but it's Lemire on the other side it's kind of, it's a Rick Barry versus Lanier battle. And I just, I don't think you get that with Worthy or Lucas or yeah. any of that. It's also all,
0: I mean, we've got a lot of ABA guys kind of coming up hope with you know, Roger Brown, Connie Hawkins, um, waiting in the wings. I, I, I think I'm comfortable with Lanier at, at 98, but I, I think Dave Bing is unfortunately going to have to wait for when we gear up and do 100 to 120.
1: I think so too. As much as I respect Bing, we're looking at two more spots. But with that, I don't think this is the direction we're gonna go, but Ben Wallace is the next center. Are you interested at all? We don't have to delve into it too much because I'm sure we'll get to him. He'll be like a twenty minute segment to start one hundred through two hundred just on Ben Wallace. No,
0: I, I I think I think Ben is off the board. I think Dave Bing is off the board. Um yeah, I think we've kind of narrowed down our next option to three players. Well, I'm also not that interested in Bill Sharman. I feel like Bill Sharman is kind of not the most interesting. Maybe you talk me to Ben Wallace over Jerry Lucas? So, But I think James Worthy is, is next. Let's do it. And then that does bring up something that you and I had been messaging about of do we like Roger Brown or do we like Connie Hawkins? And initially in our small forwards pod, we went with Roger Brown. I've been messaging you the last couple of days about wanting to switch to Connie Hawkins. Connie Hawkins, over pretty much the same five-year period, averages two more points per game, three more rebounds per game, has one more total win share combined regular season and playoffs, has one more all-league first team, but he gets it in the NBA versus Roger Brown, who has a second team. They both have two first-team all-ABAs. Roger Brown's third is a second-team ABA, whereas Hawkins is an NBA. Hawkins also makes the jump to the NBA much sooner. I mean, Brown plays pretty much his whole career in the ABA. And looking back at their careers, Hawkins is a much better individual player. They are both caught up in the Jack Malonis scandal.
1: For the listeners really quickly, Connie Hawkins is a 6 6'8", small 4'. He's a five-time All-Star, two-time All-ABA, one-time All-NBA an ABA champ, and an ABA MVP, someone who had essentially been blacklisted for professional basketball due to scandal in college. He comes into the league at age 25, dominates the ABA for two seasons, moves to the NBA, and it's pretty short because he comes in so late, age 25 to 30, 23 points, 10 boards, and four assists on 48% shooting. He kind of starts to break down, but that's normal. It's He, start, he started playing basketball in the early 60s, For someone to get to age 30 and to start kind of falling off, that's just kind of what happened. For Roger Brown, you're looking at someone who, from 68 to 72, age 25 to 29, essentially the same stretch as Hawkins, is 20 points per game, 7 boards, 4 emphasis on 47% shooting, which is kind of the same numbers. But Roger that very similar. The difference is everything you laid out beforehand. Um, With Roger Brown, he's kind of a part of the Pacers ABA dynasty, picking up three ABA championships. Yes, he's ABA
0: version of James Worthy. He does get one uh, playoff MVP. Connie Mm -hmm. Hawkins also gets a playoff MVP. Roger Brown, it's just fantastic. to I mean, not fantastic. It's actually horrific to look. Roger Brown committed to college in 1960 and then does not get to play because of that same betting scandal that wrapped up him and Hawkins they're both banned they do not play until the ABA starts and so they go basically six and a half years they, they don't play till night or till 67 the 67 68 season and, and they come in there and they are fantastic they are two of the best players out there um I think the thing that I missed when we were doing this talk earlier is that Hawkins in 68 that first year of the ABA gets to the NBA finals pushes Pittsburgh or pit- pushes the New Orleans Buccaneers to game 7 and he's not in game 5 I can't find why if he's hurt if he's suspended what exactly there is um but that game 6 is 41 points 12 rebounds on sixty-eight percent field goal percentage, it's it's just it's a fantastic game, and there are a lot, there are not lots, but there are several players from the Buccaneers that people would know. There's no one else from the Pittsburgh Rick Pipers. and so I think I think I'd like to put Hawkins there. I I think Hawkins is a beautiful way to end out round out the top one hundred. He is an awesome what if from a what if the NBA didn't. Decide to screw over a bunch of players in a betting scandal that they had marginal, um, marginal connections to. Like it wasn't, uh, yes. It, it, like I think he was convicted of introducing the guy to uh, to other players, not even point shaving, but like knowing and being around. Like that, that's just real sketchy.
1: It's certainly sketchy. I think giving Hawkins that 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 spot number one hundred is really good. I'm interested to see. Where Jerry Lucas Jerry up, the seven-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA player. But I think for Hawkins, you kind of see that effect just really come out more.
0: Yeah, so reading back over it, that puts our 81 at Nate Thurman, 82, Jason Tatum, Bernard King, Sidney Moncrief, Wes Unseld, Kevin Johnson, Reggie Miller, David Thompson, Tim Hardaway Sr., Alonzo Mourning is number 90, Kyrie, 91, Tony Parker, 92, Billups, 93 marquis marquez marcus johnson marcus. and vince carter amari Stodemeyer, blake griffin bob lanier james worthy and connie hawkins rounding out the top 100 our five nominees when we figure out who all else is coming up for 100 to 120 are going to be the gentleman dave bing the sharpshooting 60s player, Bill Sharman, the ABA dynasty member, Roger Brown, the bruising rebounder, Jerry Lucas, and the undersized but elite defensive center, Ben
1: Wallace. It's been a joy making this. truly has been a great time.